John chapter 8. I heard my uh, wife say Wednesday night that she was buttoning up the sermon series on, on the local church. And so I thought, well, there's no going on with it then. <laughs> Don't want to create the impression that there's a divide. When the woman of God said, that's it. No more. It ends tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Praise God. So good Wednesday night. So good to hear testimony. Sometimes I sit in services and uh, I just go, whew. You know, Reverend Slaughter was ministering. Reverend Philip Slaughter, of course, he's one that traveled with Brother Hagin for many years at this camp meeting I was in in the morning time. And he was ministering on the subject of how important it is to give testimony and to have testimony services. And I went, whew, my wife was just led to have a testimony service. So praise the Lord, amen. So anyway, but I def very definitely believe that was uh, led and prompted by the Lord this morning to minister to us on the subject of the healing of our bodies. Amen. This is something, an area of our life where sadly many, many millions and millions of Christians are confused. And not only untaught, but this is one of those areas where the vast majority of Christians today, though I believe we've made some progress in the body of Christ in recent years, uh, is, has been wrongly taught. And I tell you, it's worse to be, un, you know, it's better to be just untaught than to be wrongly taught. Because when you've been taught one way that's contrary to Scripture, but you believe that, that's been part of your belief system, it could take a little bit of a little bit extra, because you have to take an extra step. You have to flush all that, undo all that, and then, as we were just talking about, set yourself in agreement with what the Bible actually teaches. And uh, it was just such a thrill to my heart when God began to unfold to me uh, His will in the area of our bodies. What is God's mind? What is His attitude? What is His will for us in this area of the healing of our body? Amen? And so, we're, we want to get into this, uh, praise God, uh, some. It's so important that we become... How many of you know that uh, we in this church, if you'd been in this church or one like it, in the years leading up to COVID, and you were paying attention, you had an advantage? If you were paying attention and you had been taught, uh, you know, that uh, you didn't have the fear. You didn't have the anxiety. Because you were already rooted and established. You knew during that period of time what the will of God was for you. And uh, I'm going to launch out and we'll just take as much time as, as the Lord would have us, not just in the service, but, but uh, you know, in the services ahead. Uh, I ministered along this line, I think it was about 12 years ago now. So I haven't ministered exactly along this line, uh, you know, since we've been in this building. So there's quite a few people that have come along and hadn't heard this. And so, uh, but I have it in my archive. It's a two-volume series that I taught called The Truth About Divine Healing. And so I'm diving back into that. Amen. The Truth About Divine Healing. 
And so today what we want to talk about is healing. Is it for everyone, every time? Is healing, the healing of our bodies, is it for everyone, every single time? Amen. Praise God. Well, if you say yes to that, that we'll prove it out. It's the right biblical answer. It's the right position to stake out in the Scripture. But you know, by saying yes to that, you just put yourself contrary to the, the vast majority of what Christendom believes. The vast majority of Christendom out there acknowledges that God can. That God can. Many more add to that that God does sometimes. But not every time. And so we want to know from the Word. What is God's will in this area? You know, we're talking about from God's point of view, if He had His way in the matter, would He heal everyone every time? Amen. So here in John chapter 8, verse number 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My word, then are you My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth, or the truth you know, will set you what? The truth will set you free. Amen? If the truth will set you free, not knowing it will keep you bound. Is that not right? If the truth will set you free, then not knowing it will keep you bound. Now, Jesus said he had this group of Hebrew people, Jewish people, believe on him. And he said to them, if you continue in my word. You know what he set himself against there? Not your Jewish synagogue's rabbi guy. You're going to have to continue in what I say. Well, how can we apply that today? If you continue in my word, Jesus said, not what the denomination taught. Not what denominations teach. Not what you heard your childhood pastor say. But if you'll continue in my word, you are, then you're my disciple. So going to a Christian church does not make you a disciple of Jesus. Only continuing in what he said will make you a disciple. A true follower of Christ. And if we're going to be real disciples of Jesus Christ, then we have to be willing to go with what He said, amen, irregardless, at any cost, to what anyone else might say. I don't care if they have a collar on. I don't care if they have a cross on. I don't care how many PhDs. I don't care how many theologic, uh, theological degrees they have. I do not care. That, going with what they say does not make you a disciple of Jesus. What did, the, what did the master say? Now we know it's not just the exclusive words of Jesus, that's paramount, but we know this includes the Word of God in its completeness. Amen? How do we know that? Because in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them, His disciples, by your truth. Thy Word is truth. Amen? So the truth that's going to set us free, that makes us disciples of Christ, 
is all of the Scripture, all of the Word of God. Jesus is the Word, is He not? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Praise God. So are you interested in knowing the truth? Are you willing to have a sacred cow kicked over? You know, the Bible says, I think it's in Mark 8, 17, somewhere around in there, he said to people that were being tripped up, your tradition is rendering the Word of God of none effect. Just cancels it right out. Just robbing the Word of God of its power. So we have to be willing to evaluate how much of what I believe today about healing is religious tradition and how much of it is the Word. In the portion that we've been taught that's right of the Word, we keep. But the portion that we find out is religious tradition, we flush. <laughs> Not everybody's willing to do that. Amen? Some people just want to fight you over what they were taught. You know, in, in uh, the church that, uh, that I participated in, my first church that I really was at, on any level a part of, they taught that God heals, but not everybody. They taught that God, He can heal and He does heal according to His will. And so what faith meant to them was simply trusting the outcome to be God's best. That those He chose to heal, glory. And those He chose to withhold healing from, we trust that God knows best. And every time I heard it, I was pricked on the inside. Something was scratching me on the inside. And then at times we had testimony service in our church. And people would get up and they had cancer diagnoses. And they would get up in testimony services and say, I found out this week why God gave me cancer. And when I heard those, I'm not attacking them. I'm just saying, when I heard that, I was bothered. I was grieved on the inside. I had no teaching. Right? I mean, I should have just swallowed it mentally. I mean, just many people do. But on the inside, see, we all have the Holy Ghost on the inside. If we're born again. And He is the Spirit of truth. And He has been sent by God to lead us and guide us into all the truth. And when you hear something's not right, He won't bear witness with it. There'll be some on the inside of you who says, ah, that's not right. But you have to pay attention. At the same time, you may come in like this morning and hear something that is true, but it goes totally contrary to what you thought. And your mind goes, ah, it wants to kick it out. But on the inside, the Holy Ghost is bearing witness. He's saying, listen, shut up, be, be quiet. He's telling the truth about it. Right? Like a thirsty dog at a fresh water bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have to pay attention to the witness and the leading of your heart. And follow that. Amen? And even though, you know, by following the witness of the Spirit, the Spirit will help you overcome everything you don't know. From the moment you're born again, the babiest of Christians can be divinely protected from everything false, everything dangerous, everything erroneous if they'll just learn to trust the witness of their spirit. 
Amen? It's critical, it's vitally important to learn and to grow and, and gain knowledge. But even while that's happening, if you'll learn to follow the witness of your spirit, amen, he'll protect you from erroneous teaching. Don't sit there and stubbornly watch a Christian TV preacher while your heart is bothered. That's how you get messed up. Amen? That's how you get confused. So let's go, back, let's go over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Amen. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Now this is, this is a dividing line. This is a scripture you must have down in your heart. You must know. And like a plumb line. Right? This is the test kit for every belief system that you want to have. Amen? Glory to God. Okay, so in verse 10, John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not. Well, evidently, he's not the thief. Because he's warning us about the thief. It's a reference to the devil himself. The thief cometh not, but... So he only comes to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. If someone's body is being killed, destroyed by cancer, who did it? The thief did it. I said the thief did it. The thief only comes to steal. So in the physical arena, he wants to come and he wants to steal your health. Your health and your strength comes from God. But there's a thief out there that wants to take that from you. He wants to steal that from you. Amen? And one of the most effective ways he does that is to get you to just give it up. You give up your health, you give up your strength, because he's got you hoodwinked into thinking it's going to make you holier, or more pious, or that God's teaching you something. We become unwitting allies of the thief. You leave your door unlocked, your windows unlocked, you helped the thief. You aided the thief. So the thief comes not. He comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. Jesus said, I am come. Why? That you may have life. The Greek word there is zoe, meaning the God kind and the God quality of life. Amen. Was God sick? Was God weak? Is He ever? No. So if you're having the God kind of life, if you're operating in the zoe of God, <laughs> there can't be any sickness there. Can't be any disease there. Amen. He said, I am come that you might have zoe and have it more abundantly. Not in a little bit. Not in a sprinkle. Not in a smidge but more abundantly. Amplified says, until it overflows. He wants your whole life bursting forth, so totally saturated in, overflowing with His kind of life. Hallelujah. And so here Jesus draws a bright line in the sand. Here's how a simple guy from Oklahoma would interpret this scripture. If it's bad... It's of the devil. If it's good, it's from God. Amen. And how simple it is to just untangle all of the confusion in people's minds. 
Sickness, come on, is bad. Sickness is bad. Being sick is bad. Amen? Dying before your time, that's bad. Right? Glory to God. Puking all week, that's bad. Nobody, that's not a blessing from God. Amen. Not being able to go to work. Not being able to parent your children that day. Amen. Becoming a dependent on others. That, that's, that's not God. Now listen, as we go through this, no, there's no condemnation. I'm not attacking anybody. Amen. But we want to get established. We want to know what's true. Jesus said, you, if you'll know this truth, then it'll set you free. It'll set you free from confusion. So if you've ever been in a funeral and some ignorant preacher gets up there trying to be, bring comfort to a family and says something like, we just, you know, I know that God chose in His sovereignty to take this little 12-year-old to heaven, to make him an angel and put him in the choir. Listen, you know, that's bunk. That, put John 10, 10 on that. It's... It's the devil that stole that child's life. He, that's stealing. God said, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. God is not like us white men back in the day that gave to the Indians and then took it back. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Amen. Well, you know, in that book of Job you were just talking about, I know it's in there somewhere. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Bless his holy name. Well, yes, Job said that. And a few chapters later, God shows up in a whirlwind and said, who are you to say things about me that are not right? I mean, you should read that again. God just lets this go on. Job and his three friends talk, 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 talk out of their head, talk out of their pain, talk out of their emotions. And if it's absolutely true that Job was perfect, I mean, he was just perfect. He didn't make any mistakes. I want to ask you something. Why did God make him repent? Why would, God made a per why would God make a perfect man repent if he was perfect, he was flawless, and, and he didn't do anything wrong, uh, but God and the devil were just using him as a bet? God would not and did not heal Job until he repented. You go read it. That whirlwind shows up, the voice of God, you know, when God shows up in front of Job, he says, I've had enough. I have been listening to you and your friends say all this. And he said, I want, you, I want to hear from you. I'm demanding an answer from you. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I put Orion and the constellations in the sky? Where are you to make yourself out to be righteous and me to be unrighteous? Because of what you're going through. You have said things about me that are not right. Repent. He goes, oh my God, yes. What do I know? I repent. God goes, great. Now go pray for your friends. I'll heal you and I'll heal them. And God blessed Job with double. Double what he had before. So don't tell me this, relig this is a religious wrong teaching that's been in the body of Christ for decades and decades and decades that people have and preachers have used 
To rob men and women of God of their faith in God as a healer. Job opened a door for the devil to strike his life, and he did. Job said, the very thing that I feared, it has come upon me. Amen. Job was in unbelief and fear about his children. Yeah. Amen. And it says so plainly, it was the devil that struck Job with those boils. It was the devil that killed his children. It was the devil that took his prosperity. Not God. Not God. It was God that healed him. It was God that blessed him. It was God that restored him. We've got to think right about these things. God is good and the devil is bad. Healing, is it good or bad? Sickness, is it good or bad? Then the devil is behind the sickness and God is behind the healing. This stuff is not hard. Amen? On behalf of ignorant, unbelieving preachers everywhere, I apologize for how many people died believing this stuff about Job. <laughs> I don't care what you want to believe about Job. Job didn't have a covenant. Not like we have. We have a covenant. We have a blood-bought, blood-ratified covenant. Glory. Job was not in Christ. We're in Christ. Job was not seated in heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places. You are not Job. And God is not out giving thorns to people. We'll deal with that later. What about Paul's thorn? What about Paul's thorn? God gave Paul a thorn. No, it says the messenger of Satan. I just don't even think people can read. It says because of the abundance of the revelation that God was giving to Paul, a messenger of Satan was given to him. It was Satan opposing Paul's exaltation. Who was doing the exalting? God, who was giving the revelation. God, who was mightily using Paul all over the world. God, who hated that? The devil. So the devil assigned a high-level demon to follow him around. I mean, if you could just read English, this stuff's not hard to figure out. But religious tradition blinds people to the truth. Good people, right-hearted people, and people who could be healed, should be healed, are not healed because of this wrong teaching. Never, ever forget again. When, when, when you observe, when you see good people in your eyes experiencing tragedies, sicknesses, diseases, taken out in car accidents, you remember something. You remember John 10.10. 10. It's the thief. So if it fits in the category of stealing, killing, and destroying, you know who did it. If it's good, the Bible says that every good 
and perfect gifts. What religion wants to tell you is you don't know what good is. That's what religion wants to tell you. Religion wants to tell you that you're not qualified to define good. Religion wants to tell you and get you to believe that sometimes getting cancer from God is good. Listen, you got to lay down your intellect, your brain at the church door to believe bunk like that. I wouldn't serve a God like that, would you? I just wouldn't. I would not serve a God that gave all those little children at Jude's Hospital cancer. I just would not serve him. I would go and drink beer. I wouldn't be here this morning. On 4th of July weekend, I'd be at the lake getting drunk somewhere. Pastor, you shouldn't say. I'm just being real about it. Y'all think that kind of stuff anyway. This is just the way I think about it. If, the, if it's not true, if the words don't mean anything, if God's retired and He really doesn't care about us, then I, I'm sorry. I just, you know, if I can't, if I can't trust the book, you know, if, if what the Bible says about healing that we're going to get in, if we can't trust that, what makes you think you can trust John 3.16? What makes you think that? What makes you think there is a book of life that's got your name in it? I mean, if you can't trust the words, you just can't trust the words, I'm out. I'm out. I spent the first years of my life in Christianity trying to prove the Bible wrong. I'm trying to find an escape clause. The more, I, the more I got into it, the more I dug it out, and the more I studied it, I, I found out God, I mean, God's Word, this is God's Word. God wrote this. And do you know, God stands back. He backs up. He's backing up every word, every single word. Amen? The Bible says all the promises of God, not just the ones about getting your soul to heaven. All the promises of God are yes and amen. All of them. People want to shout and have confidence in the promises of God concerning salvation. And they want us to doubt all the other promises. Well, I doubt you, preacher. Because Jesus said, hold fast to my word. Continue in my word and you'll be my disciple indeed. Well, now, Pastor Chris, you just need to settle down. Just understand, maybe you, I know you didn't go to a Bible college. You just need to go and get yourself a good theological education, and you'll find out that healing was right at one time, but it all passed away with the last apostle. Show me scripture for that, Mr. Theologian. What are you going to do about Hebrews 13, 6, whatever it is, 8? Thank you. What are you going to do about that scripture? What's that scripture say? Jesus Christ, the same. I'm not going to go to some theological school for four years to try to get someone to tell me that that scripture is not true. That scripture says Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Did he ever heal? Was he ever a healer? What are you going to do about that scripture? What are you going to do about Malachi 3.6? What are you going to do about that scripture? I'm the Lord thy God. I change not. So see, if, if he ever healed anybody, Sister Kelly, then he'll heal me. If he ever healed anybody, he'll heal me. 
if he ever intervened for anybody in the physical realm, he will intervene for me. If that is not true, then God is a respecter of persons. We would just have to accept that. that God, and what does that mean then? That there are scriptures in the Bible that are not true. Because the Bible says in multiple places that God is not a respecter of persons. So all things being equal, if he'll heal Dakota, he has to heal me. If he'll deliver David, he has to, he has to deliver me. If he'll pay Amber's bills, he has to pay mine. All things being equal. If he's, not, if, he's, if he's arbitrarily willing to pay her bills but not mine, then he's a respecter of her and not me. And those scriptures are false, which means, guess what? Let's go to the lake. I, I'm just not playing around. It's either true or it's not true. Well, I know, Pastor, but my, what about my grandpa? Well, I, I understand all that, and I have great, I have great you know, feeling for what grandpa went through. My grandpa, uh, Merriman, he died a horrific death of stomach cancer. It's horrific. I watched all that. I watched him. Amen. Uh, my grandpa, Cody, died a horrific death. One of the worst deaths you could die, pancreatic cancer. And, uh, you know, in our case, prayed, 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 prayed. He died. Well, see, had to be God's will. There's no other explanation. No, there's a lot of other explanations. The explanation in his case was bitterness and unforgiveness. He'd been molested when he was five. He died in his mid-60s. And in, that, in those last throes of his life, you know, they give you morphine so much so that you're, you're out of it. So he was in hospice at his home, lying there on the hospital bed, totally, totally out of it with morphine. The nurses here, you'll back me up on this, right? I mean, you're, just, you're out of it. Well, all of a sudden, my dad is sitting there. My dad is, obviously, Grandpa Cody's son. And my grandpa sits up in bed wide awake, fully mentally alert. And he looks at my dad and says, I'm about to tell you something I've never told another human being. When I was five years old, I was molested, and I have never forgiven one of my abusers. I've never forgiven my abuser. See, it was God's mercy. In that moment, grandpa forgave. And at the same moment, God in his mercy is revealing to my dad the hindrance. Why? Healing isn't flowing for my grandpa. What does unforgiveness have to do with everything? Everything. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, then my Father will not forgive you your trespasses. And so if you have unforgiven trespasses, it's an open door for sickness and disease to get in. Hebrews 12 says you better watch out that the root of bitterness does not take hold in your soul because if it does, it will spring up and defile or poison the whole body. You better forgive. Wives, you better forgive your husbands. Husbands, you better forgive your wives. Whoever you're mad at, you better forgive them. Kids, you better forgive your parents. You need to forgive every person of everything right now. Get that door shut. But that's a powerful illustration that realize, see, if God hadn't allowed that, if He hadn't graced that moment, my dad was a baby Christian at that time. He was trying to help my dad 
understand why his earnest, heartfelt, faith-filled prayers for his dad were not being answered. It wasn't a reflection of God's will in the matter. It was a reflection of on his side, there's, a, there's something blocking the spout where the healing comes out. Never accuse God of failing, of not being good, when you look at the circumstance someone else is going through. We're the ones that miss it, not God. We're the ones that are imperfect, not God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews. Let me show you something about our Lord. No, 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 no. You can go to Hebrews in a minute. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We're doing really good on time. You guys all right? You can give me a few more minutes. And Hallelujah. Now, I may lay hands on, we'll see how God leads me, but maybe I won't. But you know, uh, it's been said by ministers that have had this revelation that God's given a mandate. I, I consider myself one of them. I have a mandate on my life to preach and teach this message to the body of Christ. Amen. You know, in 2013, on the very day that my spiritual father went to heaven, without, just a few hours before I found that out, the word of the Lord came to me and said, I don't want you to, I was, about, I was preparing to minister on healing in a service. We were having monthly here, Friday night healing meetings during that time. And uh, Dad Dufresne died on a Friday. And uh, so I was up here, and I was studying to go a certain direction in my message on healing. He said, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to minister on the gifts of healings, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that gift will manifest in the service tonight, and it'll be a sign unto you that you are called to the healing ministry and to walk in the footsteps of your spiritual father. Now, my spiritual father was given in Denver, Colorado, a special, tangible healing anointing. And he took that healing anointing, I don't know, tens of thousands healed. Well, I'm not saying that I'm the recipient of that anointing that he had. But I have a ministry in the healing ministry. I'm to walk in his footsteps. And I'm doing my best. I think my wife told everybody on Wednesday night, uh, I just coming up to the Wayne City meeting, and this guy ran out in the parking lot first night. And said, so I got to give you a testimony. And talked about how God supernaturally dissolved after he, you know, it's not just me, but I prayed with him. Uh, I had a word of knowledge, actually. Somebody in here dealing with kidney stones. He goes, that's me. You know, if you got kidney stones, you, 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 you. that's what they tell me. I'll never have one. See, you need to say stuff like that. I'll never have one. Or I'll never have them again. Anyway, you'd have to go on. But anyway, that man was healed. We've had people healed of all kinds of things. And we're not bragging. You are supposed to be bringing healing to your neighbors, to your family. They shall lay hands upon the sick. Who? The believer. You're a believer. When's the last time you laid hands on a sick person? Well, then you're outside your mandate. Get out there and lay hands on somebody that's sick. In Jesus' name and watch them recover. Amen. It'll sure help us win. I'm believing for 10,000 souls to be saved in McCracken County. 
Not just through us, but all the churches. But I'm asking God to give us a thousand of them to disciple. Amen. Anyway, where did I tell you to go? Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at how this, this, this problem of not knowing what the will of God is, how it can show up and be a, be a hindrance. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper, and what? Well, you could preach on that. Worshipped him. Worshipped him. That'd be a good way to approach God. It's a good way to, you know, before you want to talk to him about your problem. You know, your worship is a demonstration of faith that you believe he's your answer. Amen. And uh, so this leper came and worshipped him. Now you understand, we can cure leprosy with a pill today. So here in America, people don't get leprosy. And if they were to get it, you could, you could swallow a pill. And, and, but back in that day, it was a life-changing diagnosis. In that day, you had to leave society. You had to, li- you had to leave your wife. You had to leave your family. You had to leave your children, leave your job, leave your career. What about finances? What about, you know, what if the husband got leprosy and he's the breadwinner? He's got to leave society and go live in a leper colony with, with only other lepers. And without divine intervention, that disease would eat away their nose, their ears, their fingers, their toes, their flesh until they died. Horrible. Think about that. Horrible. And so we don't know how far, how long this disease had gotten. But let's just picture, let's just picture this man pale, white, and with some fingers missing. Maybe with a hole in his cheek. He's got on this designated robe or maybe he's tried to disguise himself because he's not supposed to be there. Right? He's not supposed to be there. You need to put yourself in this man's shoes. And now he falls down, he worships Jesus in verse 2, and he says, Lord, if thou wilt. We don't talk like that. What's he saying? If you're willing. If you're willing, you can make me clean. What was preventing him from demonstrating a bold, confident expectation? that he would receive healing. He was uncertain. He did not know what Jesus wanted to do. Well, Jesus, his response left no hesitation. He didn't say, hold on a minute, i got to go pray about it. He didn't say, how faithful have you been to synagogue? He didn't. It says, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Can't imagine. Think about how long it might have been since he'd had a human touch. You think about that. What that would have meant to him. I don't know if you've watched the Chosen series. I've not watched them all, but you should. You should. I, I, I recommend them. I think they're just, a, they're just wonderful. I don't disagree. What? Stop it. Nobody's perfect. Amen? But we watched that one, I did, where the leper comes up. And the disciples are freaking out, right? 
They do not want Jesus. They see the leper coming. Right? And so, come on, you know, in that day, think about the mentality. Do they want their teacher, their rabbi, to interact with this leper? No. They don't want to get it either. And so in this, in this episode, you know, it depicts Jesus, and they are trying to get Jesus. They're screaming at the leper, stop, stop, stop. You know, because if they were walking around, you couldn't get within a certain distance, and they had to walk around going, unclean, unclean. How would you like to have to walk around? At the, you, all you want is an apple at the market, and you've got to walk around going, I'm unclean, stay away from me. It's terrible. You think God's trying to teach this man a lesson? Come on. Where's your heart? No. No, no, no. But I love this. Jesus didn't say, stop right there. Let me, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I'm going to dec- I think I'll declare this one. <laughs> you can be healed from over there, brother. Just, just, just stay over there. My disciples are making them kind of nervous. No, but you think about that. Immediately it says he touched him. And he said to him, I am willing. Be thou cleansed. And immediately the Bible says, his leprosy was cleansed. Now, Jesus saying to this man, I am willing, settles it forever for every man. It settles it forever for every man. Why? Because of what I just mentioned. If, if, if all things are equal, and I've got leprosy, and the man's got leprosy, and he says, I am willing to him, but not to me, what is he? He's a respecter of persons. Which means the Bible's not true. Which means all this is for naught. Or I'm trying to get to minister this to your heart. If Jesus said, I'm, his answer of, I am willing to that man, answers it for every man. Now go to Hebrews. Let's establish this thought, and then, then we'll either minister or dismiss whatever the Lord has us to do next. Amen? Because thank God for a local church, because you, you can come back. Amen? Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, if I could have that in the Amplified Classic Translation, please. Up on the screen. Hallelujah. Y'all getting anything? Say, Pastor, I heard this before. Good. You're privileged. But Peter said, I'm going to stir you up by reminding you. We need to be reminded. There's more plagues coming down the pike in these last days. And isn't it wonderful to know that when that breaks out on the world, that it's not for me. Whatever's coming down the pipe, COVID was not for me. Nope. Not his will. And thank God it's not the Father's will for any man. But our faith and our expectation, our thinking, needs to be in harmony enough with God so that he can get healing to us. So I want you to think about, we're here in Hebrews 1, think about what we just heard Jesus say to the leper, I am willing. I want us to see something about the person of Jesus on the earth. One of the mandates, why he came. 
okay, is revealed in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. And so I'll just read it from the end. In many separate revelations, each which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways, talking about in times past, God spoke of old to our forefathers and in the prophets. So he's saying in times past, God spoke to humans through the prophets. Right? He spoke through Moses. He spoke through David. He spoke through Isaiah and Jeremiah and so forth. Right? But in these last, in the last of these days, He has spoken to us. God is saying God is speaking to us in the person of a son whom He appointed heir and lawful owner of all things also and by through whom He created the worlds and reaches of space in the ages of time He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Listen to this from the New Living. The New Living translation says it this way, Long ago... God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son He created the universe. Now notice verse 3. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So, remember what I said? When Jesus said to the leper, I am willing, His answer to the leper, He answered the will of God for healing for every man, for, all, for, the, all, for the rest of us. Why? Because in these last days, God is speaking to us. He is speaking to us through His Son. And in verse 3 is such an important verse to understand the earthly ministry of Jesus. Could I see that? Uh, well, let me see what I have in my notes here. Let me just read this to you. The, the last phrase of verse 3. Uh, remember the New Living said, The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the character of God. The Lexham English translation says, Jesus is the representation of His essence. The Amplified says, He is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature. The God's Word says, He is the exact likeness of the Father's being. Let me translate that for you, okay? Jesus showing up on the earth is God in the flesh. And so when Jesus walked the earth, in, when he taught, when he acted, when he healed, when he delivered, when he prayed, this verse is telling us that Jesus came to be the physical picture of who the Father is and what the Father's like. And he did that in its in, in his perfection. Jesus is the physical representation of the invisible Father. So if you want to know in any area, what is the Father, what is the Father's attitude? What is the Father's, what is He like? What is His will? All you have to do is look at the physical picture of the Father in Jesus. Think about the adulterous woman. 
Oh God, he's so angry. He's, he's so angry. He's going to get on her. He's going to get her. He's going to get her right. Well, let's find out who the father is. So they bring this naked, adulterous woman caught in the act, and they bring her and they throw her into an open meeting with all out in the community. And Jesus is there, surrounded by his disciples and his accusers, these religious people, and throws this naked woman right in the midst of all this crowd and says, what about her? Because we're about to perform the law on her, which says such a one is worthy of death by stoning, which is true. Let's, okay, what did Jesus show us in that moment about the Father? Yeah, Jesus said, let's do it. That's what the law says. Hand me a rock, I'll be the first one. No, no, aren't you glad? Now, he couldn't violate the law. God can't violate his own word. So what he does, he does what you and I should do. Stop and get quiet. You need some wisdom. So he stooped down and the Holy Ghost starts revealing. He starts revealing to Jesus the sins of these stone throwers. So he writes down, uh, Javier, covet, you know, a coveter. Uh, George stole something out of the synagogue last week. And he starts writing in the sand names and acts. And then he stands up, and their, their, their mail is there in the sand. And he says, all right, let's be doers of the law. Whoever hears without sin, you cast a stone at her first. Well, one by one, they, they started going, oh, Jesus, I, he called me out. I. He found a way to not break the law and yet get her mercy. That's who the Father is. Forever. For all time. What was the last thing he said to the woman? Don't do that ever again. That's the Father too. But do you see here, you learn something in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Jesus came to be the physical representation of who the Father is. And so when it says of Jesus, he was moved with compassion and healed the multitude. That's the Father's will. That's the Father's heart. Think about what Philip said. Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father. That'll, that'll, that'll be satisfactory. Show us the Father. What did Jesus say? Philip, man. You've been with me all this time. You still don't get it. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So when we see Jesus healing the sick, he is showing us the Father. And does the Lord change? We'd have to throw away our Bible to believe that. Is Jesus Christ the same? If he's not, we have to throw our Bible away. Find some other way to God. I just want to minister this to you, man. I'm, I'm done, I promise. This is a, a collection of a healing scriptures, passages, in multiple different translations. 
and so I won't give you, I'll just try to breeze this, but just, just relax a minute. We're about to be done. Let these words minister to you. Lord, if it is your pleasure, you have the power to make me clean. It is my pleasure. Be clean. Lord, you can heal me if you want to. I do want to be healed. If it would please you, you are able to cleanse me from this otherwise incurable disease. And he no sooner applied to Christ with his faith, but he effectually answered it and touching him with his hand said, With the majesty and authority of a God, I am as ready as faith can be. I will. What you have asked is granted. I say unto thee, be thou clean. And so powerful were his words that the man in that very instant was cleansed of his leprosy. He spoke and it was done. He said, let it be so. And it was so. A leper approached, paying homage and worshiping him repeatedly, saying, O oh Lord, Master, if you should want to, you are able, and continue having power to at once cleanse me. Jesus said, I am habitually wanting to. Be cleansed at once. Sir, if you really wanted to, you could heal me. I really do want to be healed. And that quick, his disease was gone. Master, if you want, you can make me clean. I do want to be clean. Lord, if only it were your will, you could make me clean. It is my will. Be clean. Master, if you want to, you could heal my body. Jesus reached out and touched him, saying, I want to be clean. <laughs> there was a leper who came and knelt in front of him. Sir, he said, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus replied to the leper and said, of course I want to be clean. Lord, I know you can make me clean if you are willing. I am very willing. Be clean. Isn't this good? If only you are willing, the leper said, you are able to make me clean. I am willing. Become clean. Sir, if you have the will, you have the power to cleanse me. Jesus said, I have the will. Be cleansed. Last one. This is the Weiss translation, perhaps one of my favorite. Master, in the event, that you may be having a heartfelt desire, you are able to cleanse me. And having stretched out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am desiring it with all my heart. Be cleansed at once. And immediately, his leprosy was cured and was cleansed away. I just wanted you to hear the Father's heart. Leprosy, diabetes, headache, lump, bump, it don't matter. Fever, cold, COVID, it don't matter. 
busted out joints, heart ailments, liver disease. It don't matter. He wills it with all of his heart. And the next time the thief tries to deliver a sickness pain package to your door, you call him out for what he is. You recognize him as the thief of your health and your strength. And you know that this Jesus is your Savior. He's your healer. He's your mediator before the Father. And if you'll just use the name of Jesus against that pain, against that disease, never doubt again, friend. Never doubt again. He wills your healing with all of his being. He paid for it. He carried it. Lord willing, we'll go further and we'll establish. I'll show you next Sunday. Uh, next, yeah, praise God. Next opportunity I have. That, uh, that when Jesus paid the price for our sin, I want to show you in the scripture, he paid the price for your healing. Amen. Amen. Well, you could zip up your Bible. Praise God.